This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Clean Cut Barbershop, located on 21 East Kelsey Avenue in Salt Lake City, Utah. To schedule an appointment, visit cleancutbarbershopslc.com. Walk-ins are also welcome. Mention short story bingo and receive $5 off your first visit. Now, on to the show! Ooh, that's a bingo! Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo? You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! <laughs> Episode 48. We are two away from 50, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. This is not season two. This is season now. My name is Nate Chacon Third, And if this is your first time, welcome. If it's not, then the retention program is working. What I do on this podcast is I re-glorify stories from authors that you might not have already, um, you know, really heard from so um yeah we are back and we're back ready to rock and roll with you guys um i uh got my old steady uh, studio set up so um everything's gonna be good uh we got a video coming out um as i get that set up uh to give you guys a more interactive feel to what we're doing here but i want to give a big shout out and a big thanks to all the listeners as uh the numbers have stayed pretty high i mean i'm averaging about 490 hits a day still so i apologize with that being said for the 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 new content but uh, or lack thereof for that matter but i'm here and we are going to make this work um with that being said the outpour and reach uh has been incredible i certainly appreciate everyone that has um you know said hello and uh, asked how the podcast is going so on and so forth um to make sure that things are staying in order so you guys are uh the true champions and the true real ones that have made um everything possible for me to keep moving forward um with that said let's give a big shout out to yourselves that's a clap um we are uh, about to embark on a whole new thing uh, for short story bingo and i am excited to take on what uh you know new platform we're going to be doing as far as bringing more guests on and uh reading uh, a lot more sh- like chapters of some of your favorite books and uh, again some abstract ones that maybe you might not have heard so i'm pretty excited about all that today we're going to be reading from ben westhoff and uh he released a book called original gangsters um i strongly strongly recommend this book and the link is going to be in the description it's a uh, tupac record dr dre easy e ice cube and the birth of west coast rap and it's it's a uh, one of those books that's um pretty uh you know uh, relent it's, it's very relentless in its in its storytelling and how the picture is actually told um i know some of you guys have maybe watched the nwa movie and uh that's certainly a good idea of what you might get with this book but uh there's certainly a lot more that uh, went on so um this book gives an idea to how that you know certainly happened so i strongly suggest it uh, suggest it rather uh, original gangsters by ben westhoff uh, big shout out um to the countries yo top three can't make it up the united states sweden and the united kingdom Yo, shout out. I don't know how Sweden keeps getting in there, but yo, to my Swedes, what up? Um, and then, of course, to the top three states, yo, and it's resounding. Massachusetts is number one, Utah, second, and Connecticut, Connecticut, is third. So, 
thank you guys so much for all the uh, listening and uh, you know keeping it live with uh, with me and on the you know as we continue to roll here. Um, with that said, it's time for our random Twitter followers shout out, and today it goes out to Vicky Toback at V T O B A K. She is the author of a new uh, book that just came out and creator curator of Contact High: A Visual History of Hip Hop. It's an incredible book. I just interviewed her for uh, the KRCL 90.9 FM show that I co-host with Keith McDonald, um, uh, the Friday Night Fallout show. So that interview will be coming out. But she was a pleasure and uh, certainly deserves your follows at VTOBAK. Wonderful person and absolutely someone that has uh, dived, you know, at, you know, in like taking on the hip hop culture and, and really moved with it. So without further ado, with all that being said, episode 48 is in full effect. Short story bingo. Here comes to the intro song, yeah! Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. Chapter 19, The One by His Side By his late 20s, Easy e had achieved his dreams. He created one of history's most successful independent music labels, Ruthless. In the early 90s, he maintained a contra... Wait. A contra? C-O-T... God damn it, am I already starting off like this? C-O-T-E-R-I... A a contra, a contra, right? C O T. And I can't even fucking. All right, E R I E. Contra, contra. How do you spell that? Pronounce. P R. Pronounce. There we go. How to pronounce this? C O T E R. Coterie. Coterie? No. Okay, it's Coterie. I thought it was Katra. All right, fine. Okay, let's redo this. All right. <laughs> he created one of the most of history's most successful independent music labels. In the early 90s, he maintained a Coterie of talented artists. Hey, also, what the fuck does Coterie mean? Dude, it better mean something like super cool definition. A small group of people with shared interests or tastes, especially one that is exclusive of other people. A coterie of... Okay. All right. Thanks, Ben. Dude, also, just like, say, he, you know, maintained uh, a group of talented artists, you know, interested in the same things. Okay. Um, in the early 90s, he maintained a coterie... Actually, you know what? Word of the day. You know what I'm saying? In the early 90s, he maintained a coterie of talented artists, loving women, and adoring children. His girlfriend, Tracy Jernigan, drove a new Acura with the license plate Love for E. And love is spelled, as you would guess, L-U-V. He indulged hobbies like skateboarding, word, and built his collection of monster dolls. Yo, man. He amassed lowriders. At Christmas, he drove around in one while wearing a pom-pom Santa hat. That's pimp. At restaurants, he'd order one of everything just because he could. 
He came and went. You know what? Um, yeah, this whole menu, cook that, and so that we can all have it. Uh, of course, sir. There's, uh, we will absolutely do that for you. Cool, man. Well, then get to it. It's just that there's only two of you. Um. So do you still want the menu? I want the fucking menu twice now. You understand? <laughs> At restaurants, he'd order one of everything just because he could. He came and went as he pleased between his various houses and mansions where his friends and artists lived in the extra rooms. Rent-free. Dude. His social circle stretched all... Dude, okay, hold on. As I'm already seeing this, keep your circle small, y'all. Like, Takashi 69 just got indicted by the feds because... Well, not because of any... I don't know. You know, allegedly, things have gone on. But once you get indicted by the federal government, once the government comes and swoops you up, I don't know how, how alleged it can become, but... It's alleged at this point that he was racketeering and such. So they got him under the RICO Act. Um, but just keep the point is keep your, keep your circle small. His social circle stretched all over the L.A. metro area. From Cal State, Northridge, students to old Compton friends. He'd even created a film company planning to release a thriller he'd help write. And would star in called Smiling Faces with a Z. So if F-A-Z-E-Z. Please, God, tell me that came out to be a movie. Please. Hold on. Smiling. Also, we're in the new studio, dude. And it is super dope. Okay, so. Smiling Faces movie. Did this become a thing, dude? No? Smiley Face? Yeah, it never came out. Okay, so Smiley Face is a is a comedy apparently i don't know there's a smile and nothing i don't know i don't see it okay so but anyway so uh he'd even created a film company planning to release a thriller he'd helped write and was starring called smiling faces most everyone who knew easy remembers him fondly he treated us like princesses from the moment we met him said jj fads and oh wait hold on let me Go back, because that's a chick. Oh, my God. That was bad. I just did uh, MCJB as a dude, and that's terrible. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so, and most everyone who knew Easy remembers him finally. He treated us like princesses from the moment we met him, said JJ Fads MCJB. He was like, do you need anything? Do you need any money? As his, as his success mushroomed, he became increasingly generous. His bodyguard, Joe Fierro, recalled Easy covering fancy dinners and medical bills for the birth of two of his children. Yeah, dope. His former crack dealing... Okay. His former crack dealing partner, Mark Rucker, had gone on to get a straight job as a welder. Hey, man. Good for you. You know what I mean? But then... But when they reunited, Easy insisted he quit and give him a job with Ruthless. You know, just helping your folks out, man. Easy bailed out, uh, bailed, bailed people out of jail, and tipped waitresses lavishly. Of course he did. He gave to charity too. Okay. He was particularly devoted to a mentoring and education organization called Athletes and Entertainers for Kids. Not just writing checks, but helping plan their chips, uh, trips to amusement parks and painstaking detail. Nice. Down to the goodie bags and the t-shirt design. He was fully engaged. I cannot say enough about Eric as a human being, said Elise Kim, the organization's founder. His friend, Jada Pinkett, now Smith, 
attended some of these events with him. Sporting head-to-toe denim. Hey, check your fucking wardrobe. Kim believes they were dating. They were like college kids, she said. Cherise Henry, Easy's assistant, remembers Easy having a crush on Pekin. She was short, little, and light-skinned, and that's what he likes. And that she was an aspiring rapper with a demo tape who hoped unsuccessfully to sign to Ruthless. Pekin did not respond to a request for comment. Uh, duh, dude. <laughs> with his own children, by 1994, he had n- nine. Hey, man. Fucking what, dude? <laughs> Just nine kids? Hey, also, fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, take it easy, dude. But also, if you're taking care of all of them, you know, that's fine, too. But also, don't have nine kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, fucking, I don't, like, I'm sure maybe we might know more as this goes. But, like, dude, with his own children, by 1994, he had nine Easy was usually generous. Usually. I love that part. And with their mothers as well. Christmases were ridiculous, said Henry, recalling how he would fill trucks with bikes, toys, and clothes for his kids. That's what's up. He was also involved in numerous child support cases. Okay. In 1993, he was ordered to pay. Oh, right. Here we go. In 1993, he was ordered to pay $58,000 annually to the mother of his two-year-old. Nebraska raised daughter. Hey, why do you gotta and what a prosecutor called the largest support the, the, the largest child support order handled by the Los Angeles Distri- District Attorney's Office. Having shot ahead in his baby race with his friend Mark Rucker. Oh shit, that's right. They had a baby race. He's he uh had a bet uh with his friend Mark about having more kids than him and they were so they were like racing for it what was the prize oh man this is bad let's see versus i'm gonna uh, dude this is bad but i'm legit just googling easy e versus mark rucker maybe okay cool let's slow it down a little bit so i can get one fucking google all right so uh yeah anyway they definitely had a like a like a you know a, a wager or what have you okay uh having shot ahead in his baby race with his friend mark rucker he now had a new goal he would say i want a football team said sharif oh jesus it's a chick again god damn it he he now had a new goal he would say i want a football team said sharif henry jerry heller and if you guys know who Jerry Heller is, he was the original uh, owner of um, Ruthless Records. Um, passed away. Uh, what? When did he pass away? In 2016, September 2nd, one day before my birthday. Didn't know that. Okay, but he was the music manager um, for NWA. And so yeah. Anyway, so uh, Jerry Heller helped handle Easy's. Uh, ha- excuse me. Jerry Heller helped handle Easy's child support payments. And scheduled paternity tests. How, dude? Um, he always had so many girls around him, said Rebecca Armstrong, a former Playboy playmate who appeared on the cover of Ruthless Act Penthouse Players Click album, Paid the Cost. It didn't seem he had any preference, all sorts of different colors, races. Armstrong said she resisted Easy's advances. Okay. 
why not sure why you had to throw that in there. From time to time, Easy found himself in legal hot water. Did he now? Okay. Usually for traffic incidents. K-Man, fucking, you know, don't speed. Reckless driving. Driving with a suspended license. But sometimes for more serious charges. In 1993, he, pe- he pleaded no contest to charges of battery and theft. The details are unclear. And his punishment was ordered to make a fire safety public service video, which you can see on YouTube. What? Hey, dude, what? Hold on. In 1993, he pleaded no contest to charges of battery and theft. The details are unclear. And his punishment was ordered to make a fire... Dude, hold on. Okay. Let's do YouTube right now. I'm going to include this in the link so that you guys can see it too. Fucking what, dude? Okay. Uh, Fire safety. Safety. Easy E. Oh my fuck, dude. Hey. <laughs> no. Hold on. <clears throat> oh my god. Okay. Hold on, dude. Hold on. Okay. Okay, I'm going to play this on my phone. Don't make this happen to your children. I'm I'm including this on the link, but I promise you guys. So the it says Easy E of Ruthless Records slash Toker PSA slash commercial. I'm only gonna play like the first like ten minutes of it, but hold on. Easy E fire safety. But he had to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like so Okay, so he in 1993 pleaded no contest to charges of battery and theft. The details are unclear, and his punishment was ordered to make a fire safety public service video. Cool, man. All right, well then I'll fucking do that. All right, so here's a little bit of that. Here, you guys. Fires kill more children than any other home accident. <laughs> it's easy, E, dude. And many are seriously burnt. Don't let this happen to your children. Listen to me, Easy E, and set a good example for fire safety. Take special precautions against fire dangers for children. Teach your children household fire rules and urge other parents to practice fire safety in their homes. Toys can be replaced. Your kids can't. Yo, word up, Easy. Hey. Hey, man. I'm with you, dude. Toys can be replaced. You know what I'm saying? That's actually true. Actually, that's not a bad... I like that one. I'll, you know, I'll be honest. I like that one a lot. So that was his punishment, though, was to uh, record that. All right. Uh, though Henry said that... Uh, though Henry said she never saw him lose his cool, his, knuckle, his knuckles were scarred from fights. Ruthless Assistant General Manager Gary Ballin said he saw an easy knockout a 300-pound man cold cold with one punch easy had a violent shriek which extend okay here we go easy had a violent shriek uh shriek which extended to women uh, tracy jernigan whom easy once shot in the head with a bb gun dude demurred when i asked when uh demurred when i asked her directly whether he ever hit her now uh demurred is a a really good term um Mostly because it, uh, 
like you like look down and you're like, mm. like you kind of object a little bit or something. You know what I'm saying? You kind of hesitate. Um, and so this is coming from Ben Westhoff. He's a, he's a, you know, a investigative journalist. So he's looking into this. So when he asked her about this, she clearly was like, okay, demur to spell D E M U R E U R R E D. Okay. So, uh, whom easy dude. Okay. So easy had a violent streak, which extended to women, Tracy Jernigan, whom easy once shot in the head with a BB gun. Dude, that's fucking intense. Demurred when I asked her directly whether he ever hit her. We had a real volatile relationship. She said, when you keep going through all the craziness and two people can't stay away from each other, it's just some kind of strong love. Lisa Johnson, the mother of three of Dr. Dre's children, who said Easy beat her in Compton and sent her to the hospital before a planned trip to Magic Mountain. Surprisingly, didn't have much bad to say about the ruthless records founder. He was a sweetheart, she concluded. Easy's pagers and cell phones were always going off, and he never got much sleep. He ate out constantly, junk food usually, or maybe a plate of fettuccine Alfredo. It's impossible to imagine living in this world. Uh, is it really? Because, I mean, uh, one with seeming, uh, it's impossible living, or excuse me, it's impossible to imagine living in this world. One with seemingly everything you ever wanted, but also constant stress. Look, man, money only take, like, takes away the stress of, like, next week type of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, or next month type of shit, or, like, next year type of shit. That takes, and, and that's a good amount of stress to take off of you, right? But money is definitely not like, it doesn't, look, I have not, and this is a, like a running joke or whatever, but like, I, you know, I, I'll never meet, like, even when I have money, like good money or whatever, I'll never like complain that I can rent like a jet ski or something or whatever the fuck. But if I had a jet ski and if I had like toys and stuff like that to be able to just go out, I would never complain about that. But money doesn't, um, and you guys know this, but like, it's not the, uh, you know, the equivalent of your mental health and stuff like that. Like, uh, there's a, there's a quote, um, it doesn't matter, but like the quote basically says, and I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, that if you want to find out the true character of someone, you know, give them, uh, you know, an immense amount of money, rank them rich overnight type of thing. Money is a byproduct of a lot of your accomplishments, which is wonderful, but your character will always stand out as your prime money maker. And I'm not just saying that like to like, you know, uh, make some sort of envisionment or something, but like honest, uh, like reading this, he ate out constantly junk food. Usually like that sounds regular to me, or maybe a plate of fettuccine Alfredo dope. It's impossible to imagine living in this world. One with seemingly everything you ever wanted. But also constant stress. Sounds, I mean, more money, pro problems. As a young hustler, he didn't drink or smoke weed. Cool. Because he wanted to stay sharp. But in the years following NWA's breakup, he gave himself over to these indulgences. Shooting Jack Daniels and getting high constantly. He dropped big cash to strip clubs and hang out and hung out with porn stars. According to Jerry Heller's memoir, he encouraged he encouraged his uh, female group HWA hoes. Hold on, dude. Hold on. Hold on. Before I fucking 
dude. Hey, HWA. Okay, according to Jerry Heller's memoir, he encourages female group HWA. I'll wait for you to guess what it is. Go ahead, guess. Three, two, together. Let's do it all together. Three, two, HWA, one. Hoes with attitude. Yep, they were a thing. Oh my god, they have a song too. Oh, oh my god. No, they don't. Yeah, it's called Funk Me. F U N K. Hold on, we're we're gonna get to it right now. Fuck this. H W A. Uh, uh. H W A. Uh, uh. Yo, he put out another group called HWA. Yo, you got to look at... I'm going to... Oh, my God. I should I should link this video, too. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. HWA Funk. F-U-N-K. Me. All right. Let's see. Let's keep slowing down the podcast. We're looking up shit on my fucking phone. I hope you guys are having a good time, man. I know I am. And I hope you guys' Thanksgiving was good, right? Because that was, uh, it was good. Um, Got a lot of food and what have you, you know? So, yeah, that was fun. All right, here we go. HWA Funk Me. Hold on, but like, okay, let's do this one more time though, because this will be better. He dropped big cash at strip clubs and hung out with porn stars. Okay. According to Jerry Heller's memoir, he encourages female group HWA, Hoes with Attitude, to Sharon Stone, record executives, referencing the famous uh, referencing the famous Basic Instinct legs uncross the scene. You guys remember that on Basic Instinct? If you not, if not, then go on YouTube and uh, just search Basic Instinct crossing legs and Sharon Stone like crosses her joint and it's uh, anyway. So here's uh, HWA Funk Me. Okay. Huge house party. Let me describe what's going on right now. Just huge house party. Running man's. A lot of running man's. White dude doing a running man right now. Oh, this is beautiful. Shut up. Okay. Oh my god. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so uh, let me include that video as well in, uh, you know, the description. But HWA Funk Me is what it's called. Funk Me in the front, Funk Me in the bank. All right. Obviously, they're okay. So, um, okay. So he dropped big cash at strip clubs and hung out with porn stars, according to Jerry Heller's memoir. He encourages female group HWA to Sharon Stone record executives, referencing the basement, uh, famous Basic Instinct legs on crossing scene. For all his uh, Lagrasse, Easy was unsettled. He had trouble on his mind. The Suge Knight menace wasn't going away, and he soon learned of another enemy heavily armed Southern California white supremacists. 
In July 1993, the Los Angeles Times reported that the FBI was investigating a group of skinheads who wanted to start a race war and had amassed a giant cache of machine guns, sawed-off shotguns, and pipe bombs. Hey man, what? Their purported targets included Rodney oh my god. Their purported targets included Rodney King, Al Sharpton, and Easy. Easy and some of the others were never warned. They were in danger. Okay, he couldn't help but see this as further payback for the song Fuck the Police. Again, the FBI has shown their true feelings, read a statement he released. Again! Hold on, let me do my best, Easy. Uh, okay. You know, again, the FBI has shown their true feelings. God, that sounded like a lazy fucking Charlie Murphy. Again, again, the FBI has shown their true feelings. Oh, that's what I got. Read a statement he released. The FBI contended Easy's safety was not endangered. But more than external threats, Easy was being eaten up from within. Since Cube and Dre left NWA and became even bigger stars, he'd had a chip on his shoulder. Henry believes this is why he began smoking weed after The Chronic came out. I'm thinking he was trying to mask how he was feeling deserted and embarrassed. He was anxious to prove he could win without them. He sat out. He sat on Arsenio Hall's and Howard Stern's couches and complained that Dr. Dre was a fraud, a studio gangster, before he took up with Easy. Dre had been wearing biker shorts. Okay. Dre had been wearing biker shorts and wasn't even repping Compton, he went on, but the public didn't care. The chronic was the bomb. Because it fucking was, dude. Dre's music spoke for itself and his youthful indiscretions, if that's what you want to call them, didn't change that. Hell no, it didn't change that. Are you serious? The Chronic is the like it as is as Ben Westhoff said, the Chronic was the bum. It was dude like, hey, look up the Chronic if you haven't. Alright? And it's the bomb, okay? Um so, yeah, that's what's up. You know what? Since we're talking about The Chronic and it being the bomb, we might as well play a little something from it. So, fucking, let's do that. Yeah. This is DJ Charmaine Champagne. And this is your Chronic Dive Radio Station. So you got to be listening to The Chronic. Oh, shit. Oh. Uh. Lock it up. Lock it up. <laughs> this is the video. Yeah, she's in hair curlers. Yeah, we're going to work so we can go up and be just like you. Hey, y'all, y'all going to the picnic today? Yeah, thought you knew. Hey, Snoop. Oh shit. It's the bomb, you heard her? Ah. Uh. One, two, three into the boat. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first. So like a burst, like a bubble. Long beats to cover. Now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Niggas be crazy. Is the label that pays me? All right. So. All right. So yeah. I mean, it was dope. Okay. So 
Okay. So The Chronic was the bomb. All right. So let's go back. The Chronic was the bomb. Dre's music spoke for itself and his uh, youthful indiscretions. If that's what you want to call them, didn't change that. Easy's jealousy began affecting his business dealings. MC Ren complained that his recording budgets kept getting slashed, not because he wasn't selling, but because he wouldn't come out swinging against Dre. Another reason Ren may have gotten the short shift was because Ruthless was on an insane hiring spree, looking for the next big act to make everyone forget Cube and Dre. Early on, Ruthless had signed very few artists and hit with nearly every release. Now, Easy signed dozens of different acts. In 1994 alone, Ruthless released albums from nine different artists, including little remember acts like Nashville rapper Pistol and female duo Menage a Trois. Okay, so, but it's spelled M E N A J A H T W A. Menage a Trois. Okay. Easy didn't want Ruthless to be known for just gangster rap. He toyed with the ideas. He wanted to start. Uh, he he wanted to sign a contract with Disney to have to put out a soundtrack for Aladdin in nineteen. <laughs> he toyed with the ideas of a sub label dedicated to. Ch- okay, dude. All right. He toyed with the ideas of a sub label dedicated to children's music and even made a song himself with guns and roses though it never saw the light of day what that fucking sucks curiosity was one of his defining traits easy was fascinated by judaism for one he'd stuck with jerry heller despite countless anti-semitic insults and at his nephew terry heller's grandfather's funeral easy wore a yarmulke tracy jernigan was jewish uh, jewish uh, Jernigan, J- Tracy Jernigan was Jew- Jernigan was Jewish, and said the faith was very prevalent in her relationship with Easy. He even signed a group called Blood of Abraham, a pair of early twenty-something Jewish kids from the Valley. Though major labels expressed interest, Easy promised them freedom to express their political messages on songs like "There We Go." All right, Easy promised them freedom to express their political messages on songs like "Niggas and Jews." Some say "Kikes." Yo, that's a song, dude. He said, you guys are on a militant trip, said group member Ben Yad, spelled B-E-N-Y-A-D. You can talk whatever shit you fucking want. All right. Easy was also fond of Mexican-American culture. All right. Which he called the Sleeping Giants. Convinced Latino rap was the future, he signed... Oh, shit, I didn't know this. He signed Kid Frost, who come up in the electro scene. Okay, that's what's up. He signed Kid Frost. I didn't know that. Um, okay, so... Uh, who came up in the... Who, who'd come up, excuse me, in the electro scene and broke out with his 1990 Chicano Pride anthem, La Raza. Yeah, dude. Uh, I didn't know that he signed to Ruthless. That's crazy. From his album... Hispanic causing panic. Hispanic causing panic. Hispanic causing panic. All right. Easy bought him, uh, bought him out of his Virgin contract, Virgin Records. Um, wow, man. Let me reread that without any inter- interruption. Easy was also fond of Mexican American culture, which he called the Sleeping Giant. Convinced Latino rap was the future. He signed Kid Frost, who'd come up in the electro scene and broke out with his 1990 Chicano Pride anthem. La Raza, from his album Hispanic Causing Panic. Easy bought him out of his Virgin Records contract. Yo, have you guys heard La Raza? If you haven't, then fucking here you go. You're welcome. 
Anyway, so La Raza, okay. Um, Kid Frost was already a legend, but Easy also befriended a South Central gangbanger named uh, Gilbert Izquierdo, known as Toker. He and his friends weren't impressed with early Latino rappers, and as a group Brownside made hardcore rhymes describing their real lives in their neighborhoods. They even self-financed with street money following Easy's template. One 1994 afternoon, the whole crew arrived at the Ruthless offices. There were... They were a dozen or more rappers and neighborhood associates alike with names like Danger and Trigger and Hairnets and Pendleton's buttoned at the top. They rolled up in Chevy Lowriders, hard tops and convertibles, even a station wagon, B. <laughs> I'm serious. It says even a station wagon. Easy couldn't believe the fleet. Whose cars are those outside? Oh, come on. That's a bad easy. Come on. Let's do that one more time. Uh, okay. Easy couldn't believe the fleet. Who's Oh, fuck, it's too high, or too low. Whose cars are those outside? Oh, God, it sounds like a 1920s newspaper, dude. Easy couldn't believe the fleet. Whose cars are those outside? Okay, Easy said by the way, by way of hello. Okay, whose cars are those outside? Easy said by way of hello. That's all shit, said Toker. Those motherfuckers are nice, Easy continued. You want to sell them? Toker declined, but let him... Hit the switches on the 61 Impala hardtop. He made it hop like a pro. Damn, fool, Toker said. They began chatting. Easy knew their neighborhood. In South Central, he was involved with a woman from the 20th Street. He said, adding that she'd even talked up their affiliated gang, Eastside Trece. Nothing uh, could have endeared him more to the crew. And meanwhile, Easy was impressed with their video for their song, Gang Related. He offered to sign them, but Toker eventually convinced him to give them a distribution deal. Dope, man. Brownside recorded their own version of The Boys in the Hood called Vatos in, in the... I wanted to say in el barrio, but uh, called Vatos in the barrio. And Easy and Toker became close. When Easy recorded his fire safety PSA, Toker recorded his Spanish language version. Dope. Oh, okay. That fire safety joint that I played for you guys earlier, they did... Okay. Easy liked Toker for his generosity and because he helped him feel close to the streets. The Brownside crew, indeed, remained in the thick of things. Danger was later, oh, excuse me, Danger was later murdered. And not long after Lincoln was ruthless, Toker fought a murder charge himself. He was found guilty and agreed to be sent back to, fuck, dude. He was found guilty and agreed to be sent back to Mexico where he hadn't lived since childhood. Oh, my God, dude. But his sentence was overturned on appeal. Okay, and he and Brownside today continue to make music in Los Angeles. Okay, of all the new Ruthless Acts, one was poised for a huge breakout. You guys ready for this? Go ahead and guess which Ruthless, out, um, which ruthless Act uh, was ready for a breakout. And while you guys are guessing, I'm going to insert their song right as you're guessing. So one, two... Three, keep guessing, 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 keep guessing. We're not against rap. 
We're not against rappers, but we are against those thugs, 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 thugs. So it was Bone Thugs and Harmony. So of all the new ruth- uh, of all the new ruthless acts, one was poised for a huge breakout: Bone Thugs and Harmony, a wholly original quintet that included a pair of brothers and a cousin, whose members came out of desperate circumstances. As he later explained on the show America's Most Wanted, Busy Bone was abducted as a child and worked at a dope house during his teen years. They exquisitely layered their parts and. Varied their tempos, switching back and forth between singing and lightning-fast rapping, a style learned because they spent so much time together that they all memorized each other's parts, which is super dope to think about, dude, like, because of how, like, in tune you might be with someone that's, that's, uh, like, super prepared, like, always, and it's also, like, inherent because you guys have just been doing it all the time. Um, okay, so... Uh, that, uh, a style they learned because they spent so much time together that they all memorize each other's parts, creating an unprecedented new sound. It just started to sound like we were harmonizing, Crazy Bone told me. And people started telling us, y'all sound like the Rapid Temptations. Originally called Bone Enterprise, and then just Bone, they came out to L.A. on something of a whim. Group member Flesh and Bone was attending school in the area and convinced the others it was crawling with celebrities and opportunity. Longtime NWA fans and intent on signing with Easy, they took a Greyhound to Los Angeles where they began to call Ruthless, leaving persistent messages. Easy finally called them back and Crazy Bone rapped for him over the phone. Easy said he'd be performing in Cleveland in a couple weeks where Easy finally met them backstage because they're from the Cleveland area. Were you the dudes rapping on the phone? He asked them, to which they responded affirmatively. I'll work with y'all, Easy went on. When are you trying to leave? Immediately, they responded. Bone Thug single-handedly reinvigorated Ruthless Records. They gave Easy nostalgic pangs of himself and his group when they were younger. Crazy Bone said that when one of the group members got up to use the bathroom, the other four followed. Damn, B, yo, what the fuck also? Man, if NWA would have been as tight as y'all, nobody would never came between us. Hey, also, nobody would have ever came, dude. Like, what the f- Hey, I'm going to the bathroom. You guys wait here. I know that we're close, and you we all harmonize together, and uh, we have temptation songs together and stuff, but, like, I'm going to the bathroom for myself, okay? So don't fucking follow me. Dude, let me reread that. Bone Thug single-handedly reinvigorated Ruthless Records. They gave Easy nostalgic pangs of himself and his group when they were younger. Crazy Bone said that when one of the group members got up to use the bathroom, the other four followed. Dude, I have a problem with that. Man, if NWA would have been as tight as y'all, nobody would have never came between us, Easy told them. As with Brownside, Easy felt he understood them because they came from the streets. But they were incredibly raw. Upon arriving in the Valley to record their 1994 debut EP, Creeping on a Come Up, 
They partied their young brains out and were kicked out of countless hotels. The guys could spit fast and tell street stories, but Easy and their producer DJ Unique crafted them into something slower and darker, bordering on horrorcore. Combining creepy voices and chanting with lyrics about dark spirituality and Ouija boards, based on their early song Thugs and Harmony, it was easy. It was Easy's idea to add the Thugs and Harmony to their name. Their brash, madcap personalities were captured on the debut, which produced a huge single, Thuggish Ruggish Bone, which I played for you guys, and sold 4 million copies. Tamika Woods met Eazy-E at an L.A. Uh, club in 1990. She wasn't uh, an adoring fan, in fact. He had to talk her into a date. Just based off of image, I thought he would be kind of disrespectful, she said. But he impressed her with his manners and interesting conversation and soon won her over. Like Easy, she hadn't had much hand to her in life. Reportedly shuttling between parents and living for a time in a foster home, she raised a child as a single mother and at a young age when she was broke, posed nude for a magazine. Okay. Hey, man, make your money. I've had a Vanessa Williams experience, she said. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. All right. Uh, okay, she said. Okay, so I've had a Vanessa Williams experience, she said. But she worked to lift herself, attending a pair of L.A. community colleges. All right. And in 1989, landed a job as a secretary for Taboo Records' Clarence Avant. A music industry luminary who has worked closely with Quincy Jones and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Avant took over as Motown Records chairman in 1993, and Woods went with him. She's beautiful and she's ruthless and she's bright, said Avant. Woods an easy vacation in Hawaii and had a baby boy together. Easy moved her first into his Woodland Hills house and then into a Topanga home not far from Calabasas. Short and light-skinned, wearing ponytails and toting Gucci purses, she was smart and serious, known to give as good as she got it. She laughed at him because he was afraid to open his sunroof on their first date. That's weird. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't his only woman, but perhaps owing to her music industry background, Woods seemed to have had his ear to an extent when it came to business matters. I cannot reach Woods for comment for this book. I was indirectly doing things for Eric and the company, she said. Easy's ghostwriter, Dirty Red, who was close to him in this period, downplayed Woods' influence. Easy never told me, me and Tamika are thinking about doing this, or me and Tamika are thinking about doing that, though he admitted. Though he admitted, I don't know what the deal was behind closed doors. Some speculated it was she who helped drive a wedge between Easy and Jerry Heller whose relationship began to disintegrate in late 1994, the NWA biopic Straight Outta Compton, which we talked about at the beginning, for which she is credited as a producer alongside Dre and Cube and others, purchasing her going through company books and looking for evidence of Jerry's malfeasance. I think that toward, I think that toward the end of 1994, a lot of people were in Easy's ear, Jerry's doing this and Jerry's doing that. He's charging you too much, and he's making more than you are, Heller said. 
Rapper Stefan said, things were very awkward during this time and that when Heller left the premises, Easy would scamper into his office and close the door. Joe would be like, what's up with your little buddy? And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> what the? F Heller's role at Ruthless was more than just that of a traditional artist manager. He'd also been an investor in the company, okay, putting up his own money to get it running. Word, man. While Heller was... Uh, while Heller has never been found liable for any financial improprieties at Ruthless, some people who were close to the situation came to believe he was stealing, alleging there existed a bank account he shared with Easy, and he was excessively drawing from it. When I was told from Easy, from his mouth, is that uh, Jerry Heller put him two million dollars in debt, and that's what, and that's why he was done," said Dirty Red. BG Knockout, recalled BG Knockout. Okay, dude, I'm not. Okay. BG Knockout recalled a time when Easy showed him company documents. Yeah, records from where money was missing from the label. Millions of dollars that he said Jerry was stealing from him. And Jerry was sending him idle threats, faxes, and stuff like that. Crazy Bone also said Easy claimed Jerry was robbing him. Other insiders defend Heller. He never told me Jerry was stealing from him. He always told me he uh, he always told me he know where his money was. Said Easy's assistant Sharice Henry. Hey, also Sharice, say new, not no, unless that's what Easy said. So this is what Sharice said. He never told me uh, he never told me Jerry was stealing from him. He always told me he know where his money was. Said Easy's assistant Sharice Henry. Hey. I'm sure that Easy had better. F okay. Jerry was always Easy's prosecutor, Toker told me, adding that Easy nonetheless blamed Jerry in part for Cube and Dre's departures. Obviously, because uh, Cube left because Jerry Heller uh, wasn't putting anything inside of his contract that, well, not putting anything, but he left out a lot of, you know, money in Ice Cube's contract. Thus, Ice Cube created a rift as he should have to make sure that he was getting paid what he should have been paid based on the contribution he was doing artistically and musically with the group NWA. And then Dre, um, and as you guys all know this as well, and if not, then here it is, uh, that Dre ended up leaving because of uh, interactions between him and himself, or between himself and Easy e excuse me, and Jerry Heller, in trying to get said monies as well to make sure that the group stayed afloat and that Dre was getting paid for his contributions uh, musically to the group. And it like Jerry Heller like made it a thing. Like it was, it, I want to like be able to like put Jerry Heller in a deeper light that puts him in a place where it's like, yo man, uh, you were kind of a terrible person, but like it's the business. And I can't even imagine today, today, 2018. And we're talking about like 1992. Um, we're signing a deal and like getting kind of, well, not kind of, you know, signing a deal and not getting all, the monies that you should because of the contributions that you're making and, you know, having a stance against that. But there's so many rappers now being that hip hop is like the number, and I'm not even making this up, but like hip hop is the number, hip hop and rap are the, is the number one 
music genre being listened to in the world that like guys are just signing deals, man. So, um, you know, piece to that as far as like cube sending up for himself in 92. Anyway, others insiders defended Heller. He never, he, uh, he never told me Jerry was stealing from him. He always told me he knew where his money was, said Easy Assistant Cherise Henry. Jerry was always Easy's prosec- uh, protector, Toker told me, adding that Easy nonetheless blamed Jerry in part for Cuban Dre's departures. Heller insists he didn't steal a dime. It's the most ridiculous allegation I've ever heard, he said. Around this time, Easy took on a new lawyer named Ron Sweeney. What up, Ron? who is an acquaintance of Woods, Tracy Jernigan, believes he and Woods worked to turn easy against Jerry. Okay, others point to the influence of Mike Klein, who'd been brought on to run security at Ruthless after Suge Knight's intimidations and was later promoted to Director of Business Affairs. The way I saw it... Oh, hold on, hold on. The way I saw it, Klein was wedging Jerry out of the picture and Tamika was wedging Jerry out of the picture, Gary Ballin said. Sweeney did not respond to a request for comment, and multiple attempts to reach client for this book were unsuccessful. Whatever the case, in early 1995, after nearly eight years of partnership, Easy and Heller parted ways. The latter said he received a letter ending their relationship that February, but doesn't believe Easy was in his right mind when he wrote it. One person in particular was happy to hear this news Ice Cube. In late 1994, he and Easy, who'd already reconciled, ran into each other at the New York nightclub, The Tunnel. Hey man, change the name, dude. Easy was in town promoting Bone Thugs and Harmony, who appeared on Yo MTV Raps, which is super sick, dude. Just fucking YouTube Yo MTV Raps for a bunch of dope freestyles and live live ass performances it was a cold night and though he just brought uh bought the group members black leather jackets he opted not to wear his own we told him uh we told him man you're gonna freeze to death out here plus jerry curl was wet crazy bones said cube arrived with upstart label owner puff daddy now p diddy and his emergent artist oh shit word uh cube arrived with upstart label owner puff daddy and his emergent artist, Notorious B.I.G. That meeting would lead to the latter's collaboration with Bone Thugs called Notorious Thugs. Cube got a booth in the club, and Easy joined him. The conversation turned to reuniting N.W.A. Easy noted that Jerry was out of the picture. I told Easy I was down, Cube said. He was in his feud with Dre at the time. I told him if he could work that out, call me. A year earlier, Dre said in an interview that the group couldn't re- reunite unless it was on death row, which, considering uh, Easy's animosity towards Suge, was never going to happen. But Dre said he and Easy spoke on the phone in early 1995 about maybe putting M.W.A. back together. It seems like, dude, my Dre fucking accent was dope, dude. Let's do that again. But Dre said he and Easy spoke on the phone in early 1995 about maybe putting NWA back together. <laughs> Stray, bro. It seems likely that their icy relations were beginning to thaw. Good, man. To the benefit of a reunited NWA. It was definitely going to happen. Crazy Bone said. He added that. 
Though Easy still didn't acknowledge Dre's critical role in starting Ruthless, he was focused on fixing the damage he'd done between them with the hope of getting the band back together. The band back together. That night at the tunnel, again, the tunnel's the name of a fucking club, Easy and Cube spoke for hours. When the club closed, Easy was ill prepared for the chilly New York weather. Hey man, fucking pack. He couldn't catch a cab, so he simply walked off toward his hotel, shivering. What? Easy returned to Los Angeles with a bad cough. Okay. Easy was very sick. He didn't let on, but there were signs that he had begun to realize something was seriously wrong with him. In December 1994, after returning from New York, he recorded a track called The Motherfucking Real. Now everything's good in my hood and it's on and popping easy motherfucking E from Eastside South Compton. Featuring MC Ren and producer DJ Yella, in which he speaks on his fate and legacy. When I die, niggas bury me. Make sure my shit reads easy motherfucking E and it's a fact to be exact. My tombstone should read he put Compton on that map. All I remember is him coughing a lot, MC Red said, concerning the song's recording. I just thought he had a cold. He started to act like someone whose days were numbered. He hurriedly signed on publicist Phyllis Polak to help promo- uh, promote the yet unrealized NWA project, and he got back in touch with Terry B., the white female rapper who'd released her debut on Ruthless in 1990. After seeing Ice-T perform with Bodie Count, uh, excuse me, God, after seeing Ice-T perform with Body Count, <laughs> Terry had felt the call of rock music and started a band called Manhole. Hey, man, what? Dude, you're... Okay, so, hold on. Okay, so you are going to just start Okay, so you're going to start a group called Manhole based off Ice-T perform body count. So you're like, you know what? Hey, you know what? Have you guys heard this song? Hold on. Got a tape of it right here. Yo, check it out. You know, sometimes I sit at home, you know. And I watch TV, and I wonder what it would be like to live someplace like, you know, the Cosby Show, Ozzy and Harriet. You know where cops come and got your cat out of the tree, all your friends died of old age. But you see, I live in South Central Los Angeles, and unfortunately, Okay, so that's the joint. All right, so after seeing Ice-T perform with Body Count, Tari uh, fe- had felt the call of rock music and started a band called Manhole, but Easy wasn't with it, and her rock dreams remained in limbo. Since she was still bound by the terms of her ruthless deal, that is until early 1995, when Easy called her out of the blue, asking to meet up at the 
Del Delamo Fashion Center in Torrance, he announced he was letting her out of her contract. That day was life-changing for me because it allowed me to go on with my life, she said. It was almost like Easy was attempting to make amends. One important relationship, however, had hit a snag. Tamika Woods, Easy threw her out of the Tobago. Uh, when I say threw, threw her out, it's in uh, quotations. Excuse me, of the Topanga house, said Vince Caruso. So let's do that one more time. One important relationship, however, had hit a snag. Tamika Woods. Easy threw her out of the Topanga house, said Vince Caruso, Ruthless's college radio promoter. Rapper Stefan was in the midst of this squabble. He said, talking with Easy, there was there about Stefan's album, Trippin' With No Luggage. That was the name of Stefan's album, Trippin' With No Luggage. They were going upstairs when they ran into Woods coming down. Tamika's... Oh, excuse me. Hold on. Let me do this again. Tamika's carrying his shit out, huffing and puffing. So I say, Hey, Tamika! She say, don't say... She, she, she don't say shit to me. He say, never mind her because she leaving. One day in mid-February, Easy began coughing violently and experiencing chest pains. He thought it might be an asthma attack, although he wasn't known to be asthmatic. His hulking bodyguards, the twins, phoned Mike Klein, who told them to take Easy to the hospital. They brought him to Norwalk Community Hospital's emergency room, where doctors elected to keep him overnight. A test determined that he had bronchitis. Oh my God. None of this. Okay. A test determined that he had bronchitis. Bronchitis. God. A test determined that he had bronchitis and easy was sent home. Okay. Regular shit. You know, you get bronchitis. (coughs) (coughs) Then you go home. None of this seemed unreasonable. Bronchitis run. Hold on. None of this seemed unreasonable. Bronchitis runs in our family. Said Easy's sister Patricia Wright. Easy soon returned to the studio where he was recorded a verse for his song with BG Knockout and Dresta. Dresta, D E R E S T A, called DPG Killer. Easy hadn't yet recorded his part when he got to chatting with other people, thereby putting off an increasingly impatient BG. Eventually, he found Easy in a hallway by himself sitting on the floor wheezing like terribly and i was like you all right bg said yeah the easy was using some new huge ass inhalers in an attempt to control his breathing easy wasn't all right he went to the topanga house to recover at some point woods returned but so did his symptoms as bad as before and on february 24th he was taken to sedaris and i registered under an assumed name. He received a battery of tests yielding a shocking result. EZE was HIV positive. He was on the phone crying and couldn't talk and then the doctor got on the phone and asked me was I sitting down? What's that? She too cried her eyes out but was forced to quickly compose herself. She would need to come in and be tested as well. Woods was scared, and not just for Easy and herself. She was pregnant again with their second child. 
Chapter 19 of Original Gangsters, the one by his side, which essentially is, uh, you know, a, a, a big, a big, a big shout out to how Miss Woods took care of that as far as her experience with him and uh, a lot of things that were going on with, with uh, Easy in general is with uh, Jerry Heller and the entire group and, and, and how that worked out. Oh man, short story bingo episode forty-eight. I hope you guys enjoyed the music. I hope you guys enjoyed the cuts. Um, hey, we're back. You know what I'm saying? This is what we're doing. Friday, happy Thanksgiving, which is post Thanksgiving. We're gonna end off with some Easy E um, naturally, just to uh, end the drive out. But um, I really appreciate you guys. I hope you guys know that. Please email me, shortstorybingo at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe, give me five stars so that you can give yourself five stars. I want to read comments. I want to hear and I, I, I want to start uh, putting all your guys' you know, uh, commentary out to, uh, to other folks to make sure that everyone knows what's going on. But yeah, man, Short Short Bingo, episode 48. We are back in full effect. Nature Come the Third, this is it. And we're going to close out with EZ, man. Thank you guys so much. Original Gangsters, Ben Westhoff, W-E-S-T-H-O-F-F. It's going to be in the description uh, to get the book. It is an incredible book. It's an incredible book. We just read Chapter 19 out of it. Um, Rolling Stone said, A history that won't settle for easy heroes or villains. It's it's an amazing book. It's an amazing book. It's um one that if you're a hip-hop purist or if you're just a hip-hop head in general that uh, you'll want to take a quick peek at or a long peek at. So, short story bingo. My name is Nate the Third. Thank you guys for so much. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. So, yeah. Bye-bye. Dun-dun-dun. Spare fingers. Yes. Woke up quick. At about noon, just thought that I had to be in Compton soon. I gotta get drunk before the day begins, before my mother starts bitching about my friends. About to go and damn near went blind, young niggas at the pad throwing up gang signs. Ran in the house and grabbed my clip, with the Mac-10 on the side of my hip. Bailed outside and pointed my weapon. Just as I thought, the fools kept stepping. Jumped in the foe, hit the juice on my ride. I got front and back and side to side. Then I let the Alpine play, play, bumping new shit by NWA. It was gangster, gangster at the top of the list. Then I played my old shit. It went something like this: cruising down the street in my six four, jocking the bitches, slapping the hoes. Went to the park to get the scoop. Knuckleheads out there, cold shooting some hoops. A car pulls up. Who can it be? A fresh El Camino rolling Kilo G. He rolled down his window and he started to say, It's all about making that GTA. Cause the boys in the hood are always hard. You come talking that trash, we'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, boy, cause I ain't said shit. Say what? Donald B's in the place to give me the pace. He say my man JD 
The boy JD was a friend of mine Till I caught him in my car trying to steal an alpine Chase him up the street to call a truce The silly motherfucker pulls out a deuce deuce Little did he know I had a loaded 12 gauge One sucker dead LA Times front page Cause the boys in the hood are always hard You come talking that trash, we'll pull your car Knowing nothing in life but to be legit Don't quote me boy cause I ain't said shit So I went to a spot where my homeboys chill The fellas out there making that dollar I pulled up in my 6-4 Impala They bring me with a 40 and I start drinking And from the 8-ball my breath starts stinking Left to get my girl to rock that body Before I left I hit the Bacardi Went to a house to get her out of the past Dumb hoe said something that made me mad She said something that couldn't believe, so I grabbed a stupid bitch by a nappy ass weed. Started talking shit, wouldn't you know? Reached back like a pimp, slapped the hoe. My father jumped up and he started to shout, so I threw a right across and knocked his old ass out. Cause the boys in the hood are always hard. You come talking that trash, we'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, boy, cause I ain't said shit. And go buy another Walking home and I see the G-Ride Now Cat is driving Kilo on the side As they busted a U They got pulled over A undercover cop in a dark green Nova Cat got beat for resisting arrest He socked a pig in the head For ripping his guest Now G is caught for doing the crime Fourth offense on the boy He'll do some time Cause the boys in the hood are always hard You come talking that trash We'll pull your cart Knowing nothing in life but to be legit, don't quote me, boy, cause I ain't said shit. Attempted murder, cause the boys in the hood are always hard. You come talking that trash, we'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, boy, cause I ain't said shit. Yeah, I kicked a little ass. 
Busy 